Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Phileas Club. This is a special episode for June 2017, where we talk about healthcare in Europe mostly. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phileas Club. The Phileas Club is, as most of you know, I'm sure, a show where we get people from different parts of the world and different cultures, different countries, to get together and talk about what's been happening in the world in the past month or so. That's the regular episodes we do, and they're fascinating. You should go and listen to those, too. But for this one, um, we're going to be doing a special, and specials are where we have a one-on-one, -on -one, usually, conversation about a specific topic. It might be life in a country that many of us are not familiar with or a uh, kind of political leaning that we're not experiencing in our daily life or, uh, you know, all of these kinds of specific topics um, that we like to cover to explore uh, other, I, I almost said alternative, but it's not alternative viewpoints. It's really just other viewpoints that we might not be exposed to um, often. And this one, in this one, we're going to be talking a little bit more about healthcare, um, specifically in Europe. And I'm going to get into why in just a minute, why I decided to do this episode. Um, but first, let me introduce, well, I guess myself. My name is Patrick Beja. I live in France and Finland. Um, and my guest today is Bruce Woodward, um, who has an interesting uh, story and history. You were in Zimbabwe and now you're in the UK, in Scotland. Yep. Um, how are you doing, Bruce? I'm doing fine. Thanks, Patrick. Um, so before I get into why, how, when, uh, all of this for this show, uh, can you tell us just a couple of words about yourself to, um, to situate the listeners? Um, I work, um, uh, in healthcare, I actually work in, for a council in Scotland. I live in Scotland. I used to live in Zimbabwe. I've been living in Scotland for about four or five years now. And, uh, I currently work in health and social care. So, um, I've got a, I've got a bit of an understanding and I had a bit of, I had a similar reaction to many people, I think, uh, to your, uh, previous episode, yeah. previous episode. Yes. So, so, yeah, let me tell you a little bit uh, the thought process I went through to when I decided to do this one. Um, we did talk about healthcare in the previous episode. Um, it wasn't the, the only uh, topic of conversation, but we did address it quite uh, uh, in a lengthy segment. Um, and it was with the uh, presence of a couple of my conservative friends who gave their opinion on the healthcare and uh, their views on that 
that uh, question, I hesitate to say issue because it shouldn't be an issue really, but uh, turns out it is in many countries and not just the US. Um, and we did get a lot of feedback on that episode. Um, a lot of the feedback was, I don't want to say negative in the sense that uh, people thought it was a bad episode, but I think a lot of people were frustrated with how we discussed healthcare. And there was definitely a um a, a, a underlying current of people thinking that we didn't explain healthcare and that we should have you know a, a, a expert understandings on, on why healthcare works the way it does and how the uh, affordable care act by uh, the obama presidency didn't work out the way it should have initially because of uh, certain parties blocking this and that uh, aspect of it and I, I have to say there were a few people who were uh understanding of the position of uh, the conservative uh, part of the, the, the show. Uh, but mostly it was people frustrated of the uh, inaccuracies that were relayed. And I think I did try and call on some of those inaccuracies. Uh, some of them I don't know well enough, of course, to detail everything. But I, I, it did lead me to uh, think and reemphasize the fact that this show and the previous episode is not about uh, trying to explain healthcare or convince people that think that way or the other that, you know, healthcare is good or bad or should work like this or that. I'm not going to start making this episode, uh, making this show into here is the definitive word on that issue that is common and very divisive for a couple of reasons. First of all, I'm not ashamed to say I don't have the expertise in, you know, 15 million topics that we're going to cover. Um, and, and I can't, it's, you know, it's impossible to do that. Um, and there are many, many avenues and venues and outlets that will do this in a much better way uh, with the caveat that at that point you you jump into, well, this one is, is uh, liberal slanted, this one is conservative slanted, and it's impossible what people think is the definitive word is only going to be the definitive word for their political leanings or their opinion on that uh, specific matter. So I really don't think this show should become now we're going to explain why you're wrong, right? And this is inevitably what it, the conversation turns into if you try to uh, explain these things in a definitive, objective, quote-unquote, manner. And it's not to say that this shouldn't happen, um, of course, I think there are issues, and many of them, and healthcare is one of them, I think, where the, the, the judgment should be pretty clear. Uh, it isn't, but it really should be, uh, unlike many other divisive topics. But there are other places, other people that would do that a lot better than I would. So I, I really want to focus the core of this show on listening to people's opinion. This is really what this show is about. When I ask someone what they think of uh, Donald Trump, of course, I'm going to say what I think as well, but the goal is not to convince them that they're wrong. The goal is to hear what they have to say to help me form my opinion on that 
topic that we're discussing. Uh, and it, it, the, I'm talking about Donald Trump because I think it's it. What happened with the previous episode was really interesting because it mirrors what happened with the Brexit conversation and mm-hmm. the uh, Donald Trump conversations, where I felt after the fact, you know what, we were a little bit slanted to one side. And, you know, the fact that we're slanted doesn't really matter. We all are. But I felt like we didn't hear the opinion on the, of the other side. And we didn't understand it. Even more important than hearing it, we didn't understand it. So that's why in the previous, uh, uh, you know, year, 18 months, I've done episodes trying to give voice to that other side. And I think it's, it was absolutely fair. And it did allow me and hopefully you, the listeners, to understand a little bit more of what was happening in those instances. And I really think uh, it provided that service in those cases. And the reason I'm saying it mirrors things uh, today is that in the case of the previous episode, we talked about healthcare in a way that I think uh, was a little bit slanted as well, but on the other side. I'm very much on the liberal side, but I think the overarching um, tone of the episode ended up being uh, uh, on the side of the conservative view. And the the reasons why the I was contesting, but I don't think we, we quite show, we show, uh, we didn't quite show why uh, I think healthcare is important and works. Um, so we're not going to explain it again. Um, and we're not going to go into, you know, oh, but the Canadians actually don't go to the US for this or that. And there's some, you know, high level healthcare that works well. And if you want to get uh, care for specialized uh, uh, procedures, you can do that faster in the US or that's not what we're going to get into. I think we're going to get into what our experience in Europe is of healthcare, so that maybe we dispel a few myths that uh, Americans and some others have about healthcare. Uh, but that's not the goal. The goal is to tell the listeners what how we experience healthcare in the real world. That's the great. Uh, uh, aspect of this show that we talk to real people, not journalists, politicians, you know, whatever. We we get the uh, feeling from the ground. So hopefully, I mean, that's, I think, actually a tall order. We'll see wh- if we manage to do it. Um, but I hope we at least manage to give uh, listeners uh, a glimpse into how it works for us. So, all right, that was a long introduction. Um <laughs> But I think it was necessary. And let's, I, I'm not exactly sure how we're going to approach it, but uh, we're going to try. And let's start with uh, giving the talking stick back to Bruce. And uh, can you tell us a little bit how, you know, you experience healthcare where you live with the good and the bad and, and you know, all of it? I think, um, I think before I go into it, I, I just want to, say three three things i've sure. noted while you're talking there one is i think it's very important not to uh fact check people hard and you know this is not a fact check and i'm not you know what what, what the guys said on the last podcast is not wrong it's their experience so i definitely agree with that um and that's the second thing is you know i i feel like they're not seeing the whole picture um you really need to 
have a look and experience how uh, life is uh, in different places to really, really understand what it's like. Um, and the third thing is just just a small note on what I do. I'm a, I'm a statistician. I do numbers uh, and stats, and I'm not going to present them here. I'm not, I thought about bringing all sorts of numbers, but that's not the point here. Feel free <laughs> to throw in one or two here and there. I, I could do, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I can give a few headline things, but I'm not an expert on delivery. And uh, <laughs> even within... <laughs> Even within my uh, my team, my, um, my the area I work in, there's debates within the experts of how to deliver healthcare, um, and there are moral issues around where the money should go. Um, and and you know that's 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 a big question in itself. So um, <clears throat> I think what I'm gonna what I will speak about is the overall arching overarching figure of I think the Americans call it single payer, um, but it's what um, we in the UK have is, is the NHS, the National Health Service, which obviously was founded back in 1940-something, 48, I think. It's the year my dad was born. So 48 or 47. So, uh, And that was set up with the, with the view that anyone who needs health care can get it. Um, it's, you know, and it'll be the best quality that is available to the system. And um, it is a basic human right for people to get health care. Now, that was a it's a very moral standpoint. And I think it's something that uh, people after the Second World War uh, felt was needed. Um, it's not a hippie liberal love thing. It's a basic fact to say, look, let's take care of each other uh, instead of the horrors of World War II when, when a whole bunch of things uh, happened that I don't think I could even imagine and uh, I don't think many other people can, can even imagine uh, in the first world today at least. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm going to address the broader things and I guess sure. I'm going to start with my story. Um, I was born in Zimbabwe uh, to British father and an Italian mother who'd basically immigrated out there. I was born in the late seventies and um, just just at the time of independence. And it's a lot of these things I'm realizing now, and I'm not meaning them as pejoratives when I say certain things, but but I I realize I've changed since then. So I grew up in into a very conservative society. Um, <clears throat> It was very uh, strict in uh, – like the schools I went to uh, were very much um, like uh, British boarding schools, except we – you know, I wasn't a boarder myself. And we'd have uniforms and we'd have prefects and we had head boys who did this and that. And uh, you could, couldn't walk on this lawn. You couldn't walk on that lawn. And there was a very strict structure in, in – and who you spoke to and how you spoke to them and you know there was no calling teachers by first name it was mr mr milne and mr that and mrs that and and all that it was very very much that that, that i'm all in favor for <laughs> <laughs> in favor of i mean calling teachers by your their first name i know they do that in in liberal scandinavia which honestly that's taking it too far but anyway, um, sorry, please continue. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing because um, it, that carries on into the workplace uh, in Zimbabwe. Uh, I, I know 
I was a young man of a, of the early 20s as probably uh, well I was a, in 1819 when I started working for my father and I had 40 50 year old guys calling me Mr Woodward um, <laughs> and I found that very strange but um, and then I went from there to uh, working in a school in the UK and and uh, having people call me by my first name you know students call me by my first name so it's a very strange uh, uh, dichotomy but but Mr Beja oh, that's fine I'll, I'll, I'll call you that from now on <laughs> Um, so yeah, you know, I think it was very conservative and, and anyone who's listened to the podcast where we had Bongai on a few, few right. episodes ago. Zimbabwe special, a few Zimbabwe episodes back, go listen yeah. to that too. Um, I, I, if you don't mind me doing that, but, um, I think one of the realizations I had there and it's, it's, I've had it for a long time is that I had a very, uh, I guess it was a, a sort of protected upbringing and in that protected bubble, it was very easy for me to look outside and say, you know what, those people, um, they're just not working hard enough for what they have. Uh, look at me. I go to school. I get good grades. Um, not really seeing that uh, I am having somebody pick up after me. I'm having somebody pick me up from school. Uh, and drop me off every day. I'm having a full meal in my belly every night. Uh, in fact, that's probably why you won't see me on video right now. Cause I'm a bit <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you know, I've, uh, there was a lot of things that I realized only looking back that, wow, I've, uh, I was quite privileged and, and, and I, I keep using that word and I don't want to use it in the, I started calling them alt left, uh, sense of the word where people go overboard too far over the left. But, um, what do you mean um, by that? Uh, I think in, in, like alt left people going like, oh, check your privilege and yeah, yeah. Too, okay. too, you know when you go too. I, I I don't know if you if you've seen it, but there's people who go too far. It's sort of like you know, let's all be humans. And I've one of the things I've learned is um, going to extremes is a bad thing. I think right. any extreme think is a bad agree. thing. Uh, you know, you if you find yourself hard line, um, uh, then you need to sort of have a look around you, look back. And that's why I've been so uh, invested in the Phileas Club. I think it's, mm -hmm. I think it's a great experiment. It's a great experiment, what you're doing. It's a great piece of... Well, thank you, Mr. Woodward. Journalism. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what you want to... It's a journalism. It is journalism, isn't I, it? I guess, maybe. I don't feel I've earned the right to call this journalism. You know, <laughs> it, I, I don't have the, 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 the kind of... Uh, Work ethics, I think that would anyway. That's a that's another <laughs> that's conversation. A but uh, right, okay. so um, so yeah. So yeah, I grew up in that bubble, and then um, I th I swore I'd never leave Zimbabwe, and uh, and I left um, in the early two thousands because uh, being uh, <clears throat> it was very strange being uh, the minority in the country went from. The reality suddenly hit once once the uh, political situation changed, and while there were a lot of atrocities, uh, there's a lot of sense in what happened uh, in Zimbabwe on the on the ground. In that, uh, there were injustices done for years and years and years, and there were promises made uh, that weren't fulfilled. And me, as a single white man, went from being yeah, you'll get a job anyway, you'll get paid, you'll get a lovely you know a lovely house, etc., to Actually, uh, you're part of the minority now. Uh, we've recognized that. And um, we're going to give other people a chance before you. And at the time, I, I saw it as a, 
I don't want to get in too much into the politics there, but I saw it as very much uh, an injustice against me. Um, mm. I see it now as, as not really as being so much that I think it was, I think there were different ways I could have tackled it. But I was lucky enough to have a British passport, so I, I came to the UK and uh, started let working. Me, let me interrupt for just a second, yep, just to mention that this is interesting because it echoes a lot of what's happening in the US uh, as well. Mm-hmm. I I hope people listening to this don't take it as oh now they're lecturing us about inequality oh, no. and injustice in the US. Oh, I, no, 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 no. Right? That's not th- th- this is just Bruce and we didn't rehearse this or talk about it nope. specifically before. Um I uh, the way I understand it, this is Bruce telling you the the, the his experience. So yeah. take it as you want if you want to think that oh this is, you know, liberal bs or like of course he's going to think that because that's how what he went through <laughs> you're free to do that of course but yeah. it's still you know the experience of a real person who um, went through something so i think we yeah. should really take it as this uh testimony of of someone's actual uh, uh life so sorry and, keep going no no carry on uh, i don't mind and just on the on the back of that if anyone wants to chat to me or debate anything i'm quite happy to and we'll i'll give you my details afterwards you've got my twitter handle etc so i'm willing to be challenged just like you are and and i think it's healthy to be challenged and healthy to discuss so uh, i've come to where i am from doing that so um who knows, you know, could look look back at a year and say, what the hell was I thinking? I was completely <laughs> wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. But, so but, you moved to the UK. I moved to the UK and, and that's where that's where things started to change for me because I suddenly saw that um, I started working as, a, as a, a support assistant in schools as a special needs teacher. And I'd always prescribed to this uh, belief that uh, the 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 system in the UK was uh, too liberal. It you know all these people getting benefits and you know off the hardworking taxpayers' money, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and and you know it's not not fair. And you know they should they should work for what they you know. Th- this is always the conservative view in my head. Uh, mm. I know there's there's many other uh, many other con- things that m- make a conservative, but mm. it was very which much I think in in isolation makes complete sense, and I completely yeah. understand why people think yeah. that way. But um, it's the same well, in France, by the way. We have that yeah. sentiment as well, even in very uh, left-leaning France. So it's yeah. not, you know, pointing fingers. I think, I think the, 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 the problem comes is when you suddenly see there are people who can't work for what they want. Um, and it, it's the elderly, it's people with disabilities, it's, uh, it's people who have long-term illness, uh, things like that, that you start to realize, hold on a second, you know, life's not black and white. Um, there, there, there are many different aspects to everyone's life um but still you know i i was still in the u i was still there and i I would see some of the parents of these special needs kids and think wow you know the kids have got it bad but these parents should be doing better for them i I don't know why i had that attitude but i sort of thought well it took a while for me to to sort of turn around and say i think it was until i had kids actually and then i realized how difficult the job is um, <laughs> uh, for me to suddenly turn around. And actually, I'll fast forward a few years because I think I went through, 
I wasn't very politically leaning in the 2000s, sort of, uh, when, where were we? It was about 2001. I was just after 9-11 that I came to the UK. And then it was until about 2009 when I met my current wife, Claire, and we decided, well, let's, let's try going back to Zimbabwe to make a life there. And um, I'd always thought, I'm going to go back there. It's going to be wonderful, you know. Um, I still hadn't seen the bubble I'd been living in, mm. uh, and to, up to that point. Uh, even though I'd lived in the UK and I'd worked, I'd worked my ass off. I'd worked in London as a business analyst, and uh, you know, I'd bought a house, and I was, um, by all accounts, doing well, car and all that. When you live in London, owning a car is a is a big thing. So I wasn't. You know, well off, but I was well off enough to be able to afford a trip to Zimbabwe every couple of years uh, off my own back, etc., which is, you know, f- a fair thing, plus pay for all the nice sky and computers and, and all that. So anyway, uh, you must stop me if I'm rambling, Joe. No, no, no it's fine. <laughs> Keep going. But so you um, go but, back to yeah, Zimbabwe? Yeah, we went, we went back to Zimbabwe. My wife and I, Claire, uh, we, we went back. And uh, initially there was a lot of optimism. Um and I'm not going to – this isn't to go into Zimbabwean politics, but I think ultimately after the after a couple of years there, I realized, hold on a second. Um, I actually had it pretty good in the UK. The, the, biggest, the biggest thing I had was access to the NHS, and it, it's, it slowly took me time to realize it because if I had any kind of issue, I had to go to the doctor, and if I didn't have cash – you know that there was there were all sorts of issues and it wasn't so much throwing throwing me out of the doctor's surgery because they knew me but um uh there were it cost money every time you went to the doctor and that to me was just foreign from being in the uk for 10 years for almost 10 years i sort of thought well you know why am i paying to see a doctor you know i should i didn't realize then that it was completely against what i'd been thinking if, if you know what i mean so right right um so uh, you realized you had become kind of in favor of a, a an yeah. institution like the the national healthcare system yeah. it, but you didn't you hadn't realized before uh, it was taken well, away kind of well yeah and and the thing is also is that um i always i'm always into maths and stats and one of the things i started to look at was well okay i pay um i actually i'm very anti insurance as a whole i think insurance is negative gambling i think it's uh, i don't know people might very disagree with me but i think insuring things uh is 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 one of the biggest wastes of money but i'm very pro uh national health insurance so uh, it's 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 interesting because yeah that, that's ha- that's strange that you're anti insurance so why why are you pro well well the thing is when you look at private insurance at least the way it's presented in zimbabwe there's a couple of there, there was all there's all sorts of competi- com- competing issues uh competing companies for insurance and and we looked into getting it for a while um and one of the biggest things was you know you pay in for a year but you can't claim, claim any services for that first year etc or you can't claim certain services and uh pre-existing conditions we know that we know that term now don't we <laughs> um and you know that sort of thing if you have any pre-existing conditions that included mental health issues um they wouldn't cover you for certain things but yet you'd still pay the same amount into the insurance um and what it worked out to is i would we we would be paying more to private insurance companies than 
we were to the national health uh, than we were paying collectively to the NHS here. So just very quick sums, you know, we suddenly saw, well, we're paying more money for private health in Zimbabwe than we were for the national health contributions we paid in the UK. And but that's a common, that's a common, I mean, I, I think even the people in the US who don't hmm. like the single player, payer, player, <laughs> the single payer <laughs> system, uh, know and understand that you're going to be paying more to insurance companies than you are to um, a single payer, but at least you choose whether or not you want to. Um, and, and still, so... Uh, I'm, I'm keep going. I'll, I'll well, add well, other things. The, the ultimate, the ultimate, the, sh the upshot of it was that uh, we realized that we couldn't uh, afford to pay for insurance, um, right. medical insurance. So we thought, well, look, you know what? We won't pay for it, but we'll pay for individual things. So when we went to the doctor, uh, we'd pay 50, 50 US dollars a shot, you know, every time the doctor saw us, etc. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, it, it, it's, it worked out to be cheaper for us to do it that way. Um, and that was a choice we made in the, in the situation we were in. Um, but one thing we weren't prepared for was that when we decided we want to have children, um, we realized that in order to get covered to have that child, um, we would need to be insured for a whole year before we even got pregnant, before we initially right. got pregnant. I don't know if that works that way in America, but, but I'm that's hoping the way not, it but, <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's the way the insurance companies work. They say, you know, if, if you're looking to get pregnant, uh, mm. they, they wanted us to be on their books for a year right? so that we don't just, Pay, start paying insurance just to get pregnant because um, the cost for a, for a normal pregnancy straight out the box no no problems whatsoever that was a very unfortunate way of putting it actually <laughs> <laughs> um, the, 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 it, it worked out to 5,000 US dollars now I was making about one and a half thousand a month mm. uh, um, in Zimbabwe so 5,000 US dollars that's a significant just, just for a normal yeah. pregnancy And no complications. That's assuming there's no complications. I think it was one or two nights in the hospital at the most, maybe just one. Um, and we thought, wow, okay, my personal situation, and, and, and I'm just I'm filtering it out just for my personal situation with healthcare now. I'll, I'll expand in a bit. Mm. But my personal situation was like, okay, well, maybe we should have taken insurance two years ago, uh, but we haven't. And now we're in a situation where, you know, Claire got pregnant and we thought, wow, um, we have either have to scrape this money together or um, look into our choices. Uh, and, and then, and then if, if, so Gary, yeah, go. It's, you know, I think this illustrates one of the issues with not having compulsory insurance for everyone. And that's something I tried to say in the previous episode. You don't know what's going to happen to you. Yeah. And you make choices. It's it's really making choices that are not good for you. And the argument is for some people, well, then if you're an idiot, you have a right to be an idiot. But really, it's not yeah. that simple. I mean, yeah. it's it's you're playing with people's health here. And, yeah, exactly. And and some people said, you know, ah, oh, but of course you're gonna get. Uh, 
you're going to get the care you need. They can't throw you out the oh. the hospital. <laughs> First mm -hmm. of all, they'll treat for the immediate issue. And we've gotten a couple of very poignant uh, uh, replies and comments on this. They'll treat you for the immediate thing. They'll get you out the door but then you're not going to get the actual long-term treatment you need. And on top of that, it's a hit for the hospital is one of the things that people kept saying. And yeah. it's a hit for the hospital. Where do you think the money comes from afterwards? They're yeah. going to make other patients pay more, you know, to compensate for that. So it's, I mean, yeah, it's not, <laughs> it's not a good system. But so, can, yeah, can you finish, but let's get back to how it works in the in the uk and if you're in well, europe well, afterwards which you're well, comparing think, but well but what i'll go back to just the way i think zabob is a little little probably a little uh harsher than it would be in the us i think there's more backup systems in the us mm. uh, but in zimbabwe it is literally if you cannot pay uh for for the private health you go into the public health system which Uh, as you can imagine, in is not that great. It hasn't yeah. been that well supported, and um, and can be an issue. Uh, so, so, and I do so want to talk about how the public system works in Europe. At least my experience in France, because I want to dispel a few uh, misunderstandings or wrong ideas. But okay. we'll get into we, that. We, we can definitely go into that. Um, so, yeah, that that was my experience, and and. I know people listening are going to say, like you say, oh, well, you know, should have planned ahead and should have made this and should have done or, that. Hey, this is Zimbabwe. And, and yeah, yeah, you know, and but I think it, it illustrates to me the, the health, the, the, the paying of the um, having to get health insurance. It's like you said in, in, the, um, in the last one when you talked about car insurance. People are forced to pay car insurance. Uh, because it might affect someone else. And this is the issue, was that we decided we got pregnant. Now, it's not that child's fault that um, me as a parent decided not to get health insurance. It's not that child's fault. It's not my son's fault that I'm an idiot. Um, but it's them who are going to suffer the consequences if something goes wrong in the pregnancy, more, most likely, you know, that child's the one who's going to have going to have the issues and i seen i've seen it in zimbabwe where somebody is in a car crash or somebody has a health issue that's nothing to do with their life choices you might argue any number of things that are to do with their life choices but they're then in a situation where they desperately need health care they desperately need to go to hospital and they don't and they end up either dying which happens you know you're the you're you're It was mentioned that people aren't just left to die, but somebody who is old, maybe 60, 70, sitting in their home thinking, oh, I've got a bit of a pain in my chest there. Well, I'm, I'm not going to go to the I'm not going to go to the doctor or the hospital because I, I don't want to have to pay all the money. So he's just going to sit there in his chair and 24 hours later, somebody will come by and, and realize, you know, the poor guy's died of a heart attack, mm. which could either that or, you know, long term illnesses or something you should oh, get yeah. treated. You don't or I, I mean, yep. it really feels like we're being I think some people are going to hear this and, and hear, well, they're being overdramatic. We're really That's, not. We're uh, really not. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think I can convince anyone. All we can do is say this is the experience we have yeah. and and to get back to that i think some people will think well you know it, it's too exp i think the two mis uh, uh misunderstandings or false ideas is it's too expensive 
and it doesn't work. Okay. Um, well, it, yeah. The, the two things I'd say there, if we come to the, so we come back to the UK, Claire and I decided one of the, one of the reasons was because of the NHS and we thought, you know what, there's a good system here and it works and we're both you, you, uh, UK citizens, so we're eligible for it, etc. And it does work and it is affordable. Um, it's just, it, it, I just want to mention it is affordable for the country. Yes. For everyone, of course, but for the country, healthcare yeah. is less expensive when you have a single payer system, and yep. you 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 know the numbers, so I'm sure you you can attest I'm, to that. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, it's I'm, obvious. It, it is. It just it is. It is. It, any way you look, you will find the numbers on the internet. Uh, it is cheaper to have a single payer system where everyone contributes. It's not about. It's not about insurance companies. We don't. Uh, this is something that was missed, I think, in your last episode. Is uh, there was like, oh, and you, one of your uh, guests was saying, well, you know, uh, insurance companies uh, pull out and there's a disaster. Well, there shouldn't be insurance companies involved. It's not up to uh, an insurance company to be uh, giving someone care or money for care. It should be all under the, a national health service that's managed, so the money goes directly to the health service. And and then they use it as and when they see fit. Now, there are many. There could be many many things you could pick pick apart. And and I, living in Scotland, I'm quite lucky because our national health system is actually doing quite well compared to in in England. Um, they're having shortages there, and dare I say it, uh, Brexit has caused a lot of issues with uh, with staffing. Um, it's also causing issues with staffing in the care sector. Yeah, don't. Don't get me started on that. I'll start. I'll go off that. Um, but but um, it is affordable, uh, and I I had the I had the figures here, but they're not here uh, for, the, for the actual um, healthcare. I don't know if you if you're interested in knowing the different. Uh, sure, you can give us a couple of figures just to illustrate, uh, but. Uh, uh, I, I actually I've lost well, the document, Patrick. But carry on. Yeah. So uh, the the fact that it. It works from a financial standpoint, I think, is difficult to dispute with any kind of seriousness. Um, yeah. and, and we did make that point um, in the last episode. I think something that was uh, mentioned a few times was in different forms was, but it doesn't work. You know, there's yeah. this big fiction that you don't actually get good healthcare in these kinds of systems, you know, with the idea that uh, it's very slow and people from, you know, Canada come down to the U.S. to get healthcare, which, no, it's not really that, you know, a few people might do it for specific procedures or if yeah. they have a lot of money, they'll get in front of the line for some things. But overall, it's a mischaracterization to say Canadians want to get their healthcare in the US. I mean, there are probably a few instances of specific cases that you can throw at us. But if we talk about Europe, and if I talk about France, mm -hmm. I think we need to understand what we say when we say it works. Um, are mm -hmm. you going to get the best possible healthcare in the world for everyone in the country? No, absolutely no. not. No. That is of course, not the case. So, you know, if if you want the best healthcare in the world, 
you might, I, I'm guessing you will probably stay in France anyway, but you might want to go to a private clinic, which mm-hmm. you're allowed to do. You know, you can, yep. you can do that. They, they, you have private clinics and you can um, go there and get that kind of treatment. It, it's, it doesn't prevent you. They don't disappear because you have a um, national health system. Um, what will happen, however, is that if you need something done, it will get done um, in in the quote unquote important care. So there are things that aren't uh, uh, covered by the regular national health care. Uh, dental work is usually very poorly covered. Uh, yeah. Eyes work is very poorly covered. You'll get like I don't know thirty euros for a pair of glasses that will cost you two and two and a half hundred. So that of course, is a, a concern for some people. Um, dental work, as I said, if you need anything other than a cavity filled, it's going to cost you money. Um, so I don't think anyone is pretending that the the health system in Europe is paradisiac, right? Mm-hmm. It's It's not this magical thing where everything gets treated. However, if you have an illness or something you need to get looked at, Uh, you go to the doctor. We have private practitioners here uh, in France. So you go to a private practitioner. Um, you get it looked at. If you have, uh, you need to see a, uh, a specialist, um, they will refer you, you know, they'll tell you you need to go see a specialist and you'll take another appointment with a specialist. That's all private. So you will get those relatively quickly. Um And we have conventions. So the prices are set to what the uh, national health system, the social mm-hmm. security, will reimburse. So for yeah. they will pay you, I don't know, 20 euros for a generalist. And the, the generalist might charge you a little bit more. You'll get reimbursed of the 20 euros or it will be paid directly and you'll pay the, the, the rest if you choose to go to a doctor that is uh, more expensive. But you can mm-hmm. very easily find a doctor that isn't. And maybe, okay, I'll take the you know uh, uh, angry route. Maybe they're not the best doctor in the world, but they're still a doctor and they're most likely going to find out what's wrong with you. Um, and... Then you go to a, a, a hospital if you have a specific procedure you need to get uh, done. And if it's not super urgent, then yes, maybe you're going to have to live with some discomfort for a few weeks or a few months until you know they can fit you in. That's true. Is the hospital going to be the, the most high-tech, wonderful place you've ever seen? Some of them might be good. Some of them might be a little bit depressing, but they will treat you and they will treat you well. That is, I think, something that is, uh, uh, you know, misunderstood. Mm-hmm. They will treat you very well. You will get your issue resolved. And if they don't find what's wrong with you, they'll run the tests and they'll run as many tests as they need to until they find what's happening. If you wish to, you know, continue the thing. Um, if you want to be reimbursed more, If you want to get extra, um, uh, uh, you know, insurance, you can get what's called a uh, mutuelle, which is basically 
like an insurance company, but heavily, heavily regulated. And you will pay uh, for that mutuelle, uh, I don't know, a few, anything from five to a few dozen euros. And it will cover more of what you get. They will get into dental. They will get into providing you, for example, for paying for a TV if you need to stay in a hospital or, you know, these kinds of things. Uh, play, paying for a private room if you need to stay in a hospital. The, the less essential things that you can get extra insurance for, but they're incredibly uh, heavily regulated. So they have specific uh, rules, prices, uh, types of thing they can or cannot do. So you have that dual system in France. And as someone who's had to take advantage of it a few times, uh, in some cases, in some dire circumstances, uh, it, you would think that the price of those procedures would make the system unsustainable. Um, and that it would make the, the prices explode. And certainly there are some questions about how balanced the budget is, but it's not like it's impo you know, it's not like we're paying for everyone to go to the moon every year, right? It is mm -hmm. possible to put together if you arrange a few things here and there. Um, and you would think with all the things I had done to me, um, I would, it would make it not possible for the system to work, but it, really does in that way it's not perfect but if you're sick you just go to the doctor and like you said bruce mm -hmm. you don't have to worry oh my god you know i'm going to i, I don't have enough money this month to go mm -hmm. to the doctor i'll go next month or yeah these kinds of things um so I don't know if I'm painting a, a good enough picture of the French system, but uh, can you get back to, you were saying you sort of changed your mind about it. and you're, well, So you think it works uh, I, in the I, UK too? It, it does. I mean, the, the UK system is, uh, I was actually looking, just comparing uh, France has got a higher rate of private insurance um, schemes than, than the UK. In fact, it's one of the highest in one of the highest in uh, in Europe, uh, from what yeah. I could see here, but um, because of that dual system, the private yeah. insurance uh, are are very every almost everyone has that thing. But it, as I said, it's a few dozen euros or so uh, per person, and it is incredibly regulated. They don't do what they want at all. Um, yeah. Just to emphasize this again, um, well, the, the the doctors over here are pretty much um, they have a contract with the NHS, the GPs, and and everything. Uh, I don't I don't know the finance side of the NHS side, but I know it's it's mostly paid by government financed expenditure. Uh, I think in the in the in France is more of a compulsory insurance, which be more along the lines of the. Uh, a uh, single payer system, but ultimately, I think it works out to the same thing. Whether it's a compulsory insurance or the national health, I pay I pay money into um, national insurance every month anyway. It's it's part. It's a sort of a compulsory tax. It's an extra tax, so it's the same thing. Yeah, we do that um, on our our salaries. Basically, yeah, you get a yeah. significant amount. I can't remember how much, but it's I don't know, maybe ten twenty percent of your salary goes away in. Um, and your salary and your employer also has to pay. So yeah. I, I'm, I don't think anyone's saying it's cheap. Um, no, no. Oh, it's not. But if you if you if you start looking at uh, at the actual figures and the, the, there's a I'll, I'll give you the links. You can you can um, 
put it on the show notes, but uh, there's a very good uh, visual here of how the current healthcare expenditure is as a percentage of GDP for the G7 countries as a whole. And you see that the USA spends a lot, a lot more money on um, on healthcare. Than Can you give us a, the figure? Well, in the USA alone, it's it's almost it's 16. I'm just looking at the graph. I don't have the actual numbers, but it's just over 16 percent of healthcare expenditure uh, of, GDP. of GDP, whereas in the UK, it's below 10 percent. In France, it's just under 11. And in fact, when you look at government compulsory expenditure, the governments in the USA are paying along the same amount of lines as uh, as the European countries per person, the the deficit is made up by private and voluntary expenditure. So the people who are paying for it is not the government. The government's not paying extra in the USA. It's the actual people getting this getting the services. When you start to really drill down into it, it's not. And this this is the issue. And I think a lot of people think, well, if we're all paying into it, then we're paying for people who don't want it. Well, this is what's happening with insurance. Insurance is exactly the same thing, except the insurance companies are betting. They're using you as a... As a racehorse? Yeah, as a racehorse. Yeah, you are a racehorse. They're betting that you are not going to fall over and need money. But in order to do that, they need to put the odds in their own favor... So they will work the odds to say, right, you have to pay this amount of money so that we make money out of you in the long run. So the system is inherently, and this is why I'm, I'm anti-insurance as a, as, a, um, as a commercial enterprise, because the system is inherently pushed against you. It's inherently saying, uh, we're betting against you, and we, they have the force of uh, – my father wanted me to go into actuary when I first uh, came out of school. What's that? And, and actu- actu- actuarial work, and I'm sure somebody will, will, will probably um, get me to uh, will clear, clear this up on me. But basically, it's, it's somebody who looks at statistics and looks at numbers and then tells uh, the insurance companies what the odds are. It's, I'm very, this is a very simplistic view. tells okay. insurance what the, what the odds are and says, right, okay, uh, this is what you should set your prices at if you want to get a profit out of yeah. this. So, so in, on the NHS, there is no private entity that is involved? Um, well, you can you can uh, get private healthcare, but you have to pay for it. And um, I was lucky enough when I lived in London, and I think it's a reason why the penny didn't drop for me too much then. Was I was on Bupa, which is a private health insurance. And does would, that come on top of the that, NHS, or is it does uh, it replace yeah, it? It's on top of it. My okay. the company I worked for paid for it, and I uh, I would get um, things like physio paid for um you know i had problems with my back i still do but um they they would uh it was all paid for i'd go to a private physio i'd get the appointment straight away and um and you know there there was it it was wonderful you know it's great to have that but it was all paid for and it was it was an extra monthly thing it was one of my job perks but once i couldn't pay for it uh i'm not missing it not like I missed the NHS when I left the country, if you know what I mean. Um, so, so, so uh, how does the NHS work? Do you go to a private uh, GP and, or well, do you go to a hospital? Do you have to wait for three weeks before you get into 
uh, a doctor's well, office? Or? <laughs> no, at the moment, um, it's probably about if you need to see a GP, if it's not urgent, you can see them within the week. Uh, and that's a normal doctor. Uh, now, each each area, the NHS splits the United Kingdom into different um, – oh, geez, the word's gone out my head at the moment um, – into different into different areas, yeah. Uh, healthcare, uh, health. Uh, uh, I've completely forgotten the word, but like where I am now, I'm up in Scotland. There's, um, I'm a, I'm in a partnership who are part of the wider health and so wider NHS. Uh, hold on, I'm going to look up the word while I'm here because mm-hmm. this is a problem with. Uh, so do you go do you go to a doctor's like private office because here in France they have like offices in regular apartments they're not uh gathered together in clinics in um or hospitals you can go like they have an apartment they have a cabinet which is uh, uh I don't know an office and uh they okay. they they you go into a private building, go to the third floor, ring a bell, and uh, someone comes open the door, and you get into it, and they have like their equipment, of course. But so they, it's completely, completely quote unquote private, and they often get together four or five or six people to get an apartment and furbish it for that yeah. kind of uh, thing. But yeah, that's how it works. You don't necessarily okay. need to go to the. From- From the for, ground, for the basic stuff, of course, but uh, for, for the way the the NHS is the way the health primary healthcare is set up here is that the doctors are uh, set up in health centers mostly. They will have yeah. uh, purpose built buildings. Um, sometimes they're in they'll be in situations like that, but they are uh, they will be places that are funded by the NHS, from what I understand. Now this could change within different health boards, um, and uh, so I am I am. A assigned to a certain uh gp when i move into an area so by my okay. postcode i'm assigned so i need to phone that gp when i need something i don't know how different that is but there's a so how cup- that person specifically you can't open the phone book find a doctor and go to see them which is what we can do in france well i i would assume i would possibly but you need I to pay them the, the nhs is no, not going to pay for if, it if i'm on holiday And this has happened okay. before. Uh, before I actually moved up to Scotland, uh, when I when 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 I came to visit, I needed to see a GP, and they will see you, and it'll be free of charge. But they will, um, they will have to get your records from down in in mm. England where I was, etc. Okay. There's, there's all sorts of data protection issues there. So yes, it is possible. I mean, I could. So why are you assigned one GP then? Is it just? Oh, it's for ease of administrative well, stuff. It's not, it's can not you the, change if you don't like that person can you request a change it's, it's not the gp i'm assigned to sorry it's not the gp i'm assigned to a practice to the practice okay. as a whole so in that practice like where i am there's uh, about seven or eight gps and i can request to see a certain one but that may mean it takes a bit longer to be seen by a doctor mm. or i can just see whoever's available um i also have a system of uh, they call it uh, out of hours where you can phone out of hours and there'll be a a doctor on call who will uh give you advice or there'll be a nurse who can give you advice we've used that before with my with my son where he's had a certain reaction they'll say okay do this and this if you don't you need to take him to a and e which is accident and emergency or you know you take him to the hospital um and that's the other thing so we 
have these GP practices that are scattered around uh, the countryside, and then there's there there will be uh, a main hospital which will be used almost as a centre, and that hospital is then that's where we went to you know they've got a maternity ward there they've got a children's ward they've got a mental health ward they've got uh, different hospitals that have different things for certain things we have to go through to Aberdeen which is a two-hour drive away um, and, <clears throat> and you know that that's that that was for the royal that's the children's children's hospital specifically uh, you know if there's long-term issues and and that sort of thing so not all hospitals will have everything um, but most will have the basics you need there, and then they are they sort of uh, they're referred to by the GPs. Um, mm. So not- let's say let's say you get you know a pain in your chest and you go mm-hmm. to your GP. He runs a few tests. Uh, he sends you to a specialist. Maybe for, mm-hmm. so for us the GP. Uh, will refer you to a specialist, as I said, mm-hmm. and the specialist you can take an appointment in the in a hospital, but you can also go see a private person that will, yeah. and it will be reimbursed, and that private person will also be working in a cabinet, and they will, uh, you know, receive you in a regular building in Paris. So it's not like uh, hospital type centers, uh, and. If you need a procedure or long-term something, they can refer you to a hospital. You will go there. In the UK, if you need, you have a pain in your chest, go see your GP. He says, okay, you need, you know, a procedure done or uh, Mm -hmm. long-term treatment, like medical treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, Do they refer you to a hospital or do you... I think it would entirely depend on the um, on nature. The, the the nature of what you've got. If you've got, uh, I've had a personal experience where I've gone in and my son had an issue, and the GP then he saw us right away. Uh, we went in. Uh, it was sort of uh, it was almost after hours, and the GP saw us and said, "Okay, right, he's not happy with what he's seeing." He referred us immediately to the to the hospital. Um, so we then had, you know, we then drove my son to the hospital, which is about the two hours minutes. away. Oh, no, no, this was the smaller hospital. Not the, it's not a small hospital. It's the hospital we have in our area. Um, and they then saw him there and, uh, it was only later on that, that he needed to be moved to the bigger hospital, mm. uh, where they've got the specialist care. And that, that was, a, it was a specialist unit for, for, for what he had. And it was a very uh, unusual circumstance. So that was, he was taken there by ambulance. Um, so, you know, it was, how did you pay for this? Did you we pay for it? didn't pay anything at all. Right. Nothing okay. at all. And in fact, um, we had to stay a couple of nights in Aberdeen, which is about two hours drive from here. And uh, I was fully prepared to pay for a hotel for us to stay overnight there while he was in hospital. And there was a charity that actually paid for rooms <laughs> within the children's hospital for us to stay in. Um, so a privately funded. It was privately funded yeah. charity, but one of us was allowed to stay in in the hospital room with my son. Mm-hmm. So we didn't pay a thing for this. The 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 ambulance ride we didn't pay anything for. The nothing, nothing at all, because right. um, it's all covered um, under the NA, uh, under the NHS Grampian, which is the the health board that covers our area. Um, you know. I- so I had, uh, you know, experiences with hospitals recently. My dad was mm. very ill over the past year, um, and 
for those who don't know, he passed away a few months ago. Um, and so he was in and out of hospitals for very serious conditions um, mm-hmm. over the past, especially uh, the, the last six to three months of, of his life. And we we would go there to the hospital, get into the room. He would get a private room. It was a really great hospital. Um, and we would pay for internet um Mm -hmm. i think tv might have been included or we would pay for that as well so it came to you know a few dozen euros a a week um but also if we needed an ambulance they would it would be paid for uh, you know and he would come from very far away Uh, we didn't take advantage of it because you know he wanted to drive and he wanted to (laughs) to be driven um but we could have and again, this was, and this is, you know, I'm always hesitant to, I know people think there is, there are these dingy, horrible hospitals with people who don't care about you. And, and I did mention sometimes they might not be incredibly beautiful hospitals. And it's true. I'm sure there are some which have, you know, some people that have less than optimal experiences, but for us, the hospital oh. was amazing and the people yeah. were so caring and the 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 you know the care was world class it was it, 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 i i can only mirror that patrick i think the the nurses and the doctors that i've dealt with uh, within the nhs have all been absolutely fantastic you know that they are they are people who are doing if i believed in god i would say it's god's work but you know it's 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 they they're doing work that is that is just completely yeah it's it's amazing and the facilities and, also you know it, it we're not we're not i live up in the sticks in scotland up up in the rural mm. areas and we've got equipment up here we can sure it's a two-hour drive to get to aberdeen for the specialist children's hospital but but you know we've got everything we need up here uh we, we there's only very few procedures that can't be taken up can't be done uh in in the hospitals that are nearby and this is all funded for by the government this is all funded for by our tax money if essentially because that's what mm. our national insurance payment is it's a slight yeah. increase in tax um and you know to to just put another uh, element to this because i really want to make sure people understand listening understand this um when so we would see a specialist, I think by the end it was, you know, a few times a month. And we would drive all the way to Paris. My parents lived far away. And um, we would see a, spe- a specialist and we would get to the hospital and it wasn't fun. And we would wait sometimes in the waiting room a couple of hours because that it was a cancer, uh, you know, cancer uh, oncologist. Mm-hmm. Um and they would it it would be late you know we had an appointment for i'm really trying to paint a picture of what it actually is um so you would you we would have an appointment for 2 p.m and we wouldn't get in you know we wouldn't see her until 3 30 or something like that so it wasn't fun cancer patient waiting in the waiting room with Mm. sometimes a a couple of other people and but the the waiting room wasn't ugly it was not you know it was kind of enjoyable but of course it's not a fun experience and i don't think hospitals aren't fun but it was so she was really and it wasn't just that doctor all of the doctors were so caring when my dad ended up 
passing away, I sent her main oncologist, uh, his main oncologist, I sent her a, a, a thank you note for how patient and understanding and all of it she, she was. And everyone at the hospital, you know, we have an image of hospitals with, you know, the, the overweight nurse that will throw stuff on your table and like be like, oh, you do this. And doctors <laughs> that don't take the time to listen to you. The doctors would take time out of their rounds, you know, yeah. to come sit down, listen to my dad when, you know, two years ago when he was, it wasn't as critical, listen to him, hear what his problems were, like actually sit down and listen. Just if they knew there wasn't a lot they could do or like just listen to him. And they were like interns, uh, like actual doctors who would do that. And I, I really, the reason I'm talking about this is that I want to um, emphasize the the quality of the care we're getting because I've said a number of times, yeah, you know, it might not be the best. It might, and it it's not necessarily always the best, but it's also, there is high quality care yeah. as well and overall. So I really want to make that clear. You, you might not be having the Rolls Royce service for every single person, but you're mm. at least you're getting a taxi for everyone. And this is what, this is kind right. of how I say it to everyone. It, it, it's, you know, you're not having somebody being picked up by a limo every day, but you're getting them picked up at least and you're getting mm. them on their feet. And at least the guy who's driving the car is a friendly guy and it's a clean car. And, it, you know, if I was to take an analogy, I think that would be one right. that I would use. And, I think people who pay for insurance, for, for the impression I've gotten, I haven't got any experience with the American system, but I think there's an expectation there that the more you pay, the better it is, uh, you know, the, and that's insurance uh, as well as anything. And my experience, at least in Zimbabwe, is that's not the case. And this is something else I wanted to go and say is that when you're paying for insurance for things, it's very easy, and I have seen it. I've seen it done, and I'm sure I'd like to hear if this is experience of people in America, but uh, where people have um, been told by an insurance company, "Sorry, you're not covered for that condition." Well, Even I think that's been, a pre pretty common knowledge. Yeah, yeah it does you, you've, you, you've paid in all this money your whole life, but actually, we're not going to cover you for that. And, and they'll leave you to have to pay for it. Now, that doesn't happen under the NHS. What you might have, what you might have is slightly longer waiting times for certain things. Um, you know, there's a, there's a big target in the UK that, that uh, A&E at the moment is the big one where people are uh, uh, being – have to be seen within four hours uh, mm. when – when they get to the A&E service and uh, Scotland's doing better than England and that and some health boards are doing better than others and some could be managed better than others, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, when we're talking about figures in the 90s, uh, that's nine out of 10 people are seen within four hours. And in fact, my experience wherever I've been is I'm seen within 10, 15 minutes when I'm in, when I go to an A&E department and they are clean and well-kept areas. Um, so I can only, and, and I, I hate to make this sound like an echo chamber, but I can only back up what you're saying in your experience in France is that the doctors, the nurses have always been good. The, the equipment's good. And in fact, I will link you this, um, this, this, this website and, and just because it gives some good high level figures. It's, it's on, from the Scott, uh, not Scott Gov, it's the main um, statistical uh, information. You can get it from the government. And if you have a look at life expectancy in the USA um, 
per, and you map that against the health spending per capita, you can see in America that people are live, I think, just under 79 years as a health expectancy, and they spend £6,000 per capita, £6,000 per capita uh, in the USA, and they live the life expectancy 79, whereas in the UK, we're just under 3000 and it, life expectancy is 82%, just under 82, say 81 to be, to be thick. So, you know, yeah. that to me gives an indication that, hold on, you know, somewhere, if you look at this graph, the American system, there's something going on there. It's a massive outlier. It's way out. It's lower than the ones, you know, you've got ones that are life expectancy is almost up to 84, and the most they'll pay is up to 5,000 pounds per capita whereas the usa is well over six that's not well over six thousand actually it is sorry the lines of it thing, but it's yeah. well over six thousand and they're under 80 um yeah. so you know that there's something going on there in america there's something there where and that the the money for me is not going towards making people better yeah. that's what i see when i look at the numbers this is I, you can you can come and talk to me, and I will talk about the failures in in NHS that need to be addressed. I, I think there's also can, can we talk about this for just a second, just for the sake of? Uh... <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I think um, there are there's too much politics involved. That's the that's the opposite end of uh, of it being a government. Mm. You know, in, that, in what in what sense? Um, the government for me, and this is my statistical side of it, is they will focus on a certain number of measures. Uh, they will sort of say, um, like a big one we've got at the moment, they call it uh, bed blocking. It's delayed discharges. It's when people are in hospital, um, and this is where I work in health and social care. They're in hospital. They finish their treatment. They're due to be discharged, and um, they then have, you know, they, they, they need a care plan to take them home so that they can live at home. So they need a carer twice a day to do this and that. Um, and that's all, that's all done by the social work side of it. Uh, and sometimes there's a, there's a tension there between health and social care in that um, health might say somebody's discharged when they shouldn't be and so, uh, is ready for discharge. And there's all kinds of political things around that. But what the government will do is they will look at one figure. So they will say, for the month you've had... 14 people who were over two weeks delayed discharge. You know, what's going mm. on here? This is terrible. They will focus on that, whereas they could have some some other area that's been completely ignored that really needs to be looked at. Like from, from, my, from my perspective, it, it would be uh, things like uh, preventative care and things like that, you know. Mm. And that's another thing that you, you touched on when you were talking to um, to the guys is that a lot of the benefits we get is from preventative spending. Um, a lot of the things from from uh, we get are from. Sorry, I've gone back into benefits again. I'll go. I'll go. Uh, so yeah. So that that'll be it. And then we get government funding cuts. Uh, they'll cut. They'll cut certain areas. They'll move money around, yeah. etc. But then there's also. And I don't want to go into it too much, but like I said, internal politics between how doctors, GPs see the uh, uh, see the 
see the hospitals and uh, we have big problems with data sharing uh, between the different systems right. uh, we, we you know it, it I, I, you may have to explain your problem to seven or eight different people along the way mm. because they're not allowed to share data between them um, and then there's also waiting times or another thing uh, I think I don't have the figures on American waiting times I wouldn't know what they're like but uh, we have issues here with some of our practices because of the way they are and the population and and the, the pressures they have uh, you may have to wait a couple of weeks to see a doctor if you're um, if your query isn't urgent, you know, if something isn't urgent. But then in saying that, you can go to A&E. And one of the issues that that's happened is is that too many people have gone to A&E for things they shouldn't do because there's the doctors. Anyway, it, there can be pressures on the system. Um, when, when people see it as a free service, they will then take advantage of it too much. And that puts pressure on it that doesn't need to be there. So there's an educating that needs to happen. Mm. And I think that's happening. Um, and it's well, not I would say, I'm, yeah. yeah, I would say I'm sure maybe it's happening. Let's say it isn't, you know? Okay. It's still a better overall system yeah. than yeah. what we see in, in countries that don't have single player. Yeah. And I think a lot of the arguments against... Uh, single payer end up put, creating a system that is worse for everyone unless yeah. you know i don't know if you have lots of money anyway it's not there is this fiction that you know if you have lots of money you're not going to care you're going to get the healthcare you need no matter what yeah. and maybe you're either, even even going to go to professional doctors anyway and you're not you know, not professional i mean like private doctors anyway mm -hmm. and you're not going to care about the single payer i don't in in france i don't think it's very much the case i think no. the large majority of people go to uh, uh everyone goes to the regular mm -hmm. systems maybe you're going to yep. choose a doctor differently but Ultimately, if you have something really serious, you're going to go to the hospital um, unless you're like, I don't know, a billionaire or something. But yeah. there's this idea that if you're struggling or if you're a medium income family, then the, the, having a single payer system is going to 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 make your life more difficult because you're going to pay for stuff that you don't need. Yeah. And I don't know how to explain it or I don't think we should repeat it even again but <laughs> that's just not true you're gonna yes you might not need it for three years but then out of the blue you're gonna need it yeah. and if you don't have it you're effed yeah. um and i okay we shouldn't make this into convincing <laughs> again but I, uh, i think it's it's just a it's just a question of what i would say to people is experience it Um, mm. uh, and and one of the things you brought up in the last thing, and, and I was sh I was shouting down my in the car while I was listening <laughs> to it was like because it's not a question of you it can't just be a half-assed thing and and it sounds like this is right. what Obamacare is I could be wrong but it needs to be everyone everyone involved and it's not socialism it's not communism we're not you know we're not people here who are bleeding heart liberals i think well i might be <laughs> apparently you're not <laughs> well i don't know i might be i think i'm going i'm going more and more left as i uh -huh. get old i don't know i'm one of the one of the strange people uh, i'm starting to believe in universal income now so uh, <laughs> you know, <that's, laughs> 
um but that's a different story altogether. yeah it is an interesting idea i i, uh, I will get you give you uh, that um but yeah i i don't know what more to say it works patrick mm. uh, yeah it's, it's that, that's kind of what it is it it works it works it works it works for the people who need it and yes there are always going to be problems but if even if you just look at the simple figures people live longer in the uk and we pay less we pay less out of our pockets the government pays less mm. overall so person if we can, we're getting close to the, the end of it. Mm -hmm. um, if we can go into, um, just for a few minutes, you did mention a few times that you have changed your views on some of the things. And part of it was because of your experiences with national uh, healthcare. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more how, what it was like to, you know, realize that what you thought and i think that applies not just to uh liberals or or conservatives or you know healthcare or anything i really want to hear about mm. that experience for you of realizing that you thought something and that you had changed your mind about it about <laughs> something that was core to your identity because i think that's something that is really important for us politically in the world today i think for me it's about um, taking in and uh, seeing what's out there and seeing what the evidence is. Um, it's difficult. It's one of the hardest things in the world, I think, to look at yourself and realize, hold on, <laughs> what I'm thinking here is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, what I'm thinking here is not the right way. It's not what, what, it's not what should be. Um, and I can understand why people don't like it. It's, it's interesting that any, any company you ever go to Uh, anytime they get a new senior manager, they'll go through a series of how to understand change. Um, and they'll tell you about the mouse that stole my cheese. I don't know if you've heard of yeah. that. But every I don't time. remember exactly what it is, but I've heard that story <laughs> a few every, times. Yeah. I've seen it so many times uh, that, you know, they bring that out. And change is difficult. Um, but I think in the world, especially as it is right now, we need to be open. And for me, that's always been my issue and doubting myself can be a, it's a double-edged sword you know sometimes you look at yourself and think right maybe i'm not right here but sometimes sometimes you're not um mm. i don't know how to explain it it's it's kind of a no i think you've you've expressed uh, it but uh, keep going I'll i think i think the going. thing for me the the turning point is is um for me in my life was was going back to zimbabwe was also starting mm. to and I, i'm going to plug another podcast here patrick but it's it i think there's 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 two podcast two 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 things in my life that have helped me and one is listening to you and i mentioned it in the email to you as a skeptic's guide to universe mm -hmm. um, it's suddenly seeing these people who were trying to be as it's almost opposite of what you're doing apolitical as possible what they will do is they will say what is the evidence what are the facts right what does the science tell us and you know how how You know, what does that mean for us as humans, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I, I used to I used to believe in ghosts until I, I <laughs> ran a ghost. I got, ran a ghost hunting company for six months. And really? To, uh, well, I had to stop eventually because I realized I was conning people. <laughs> there was nothing there, you know. <laughs> so, you know, that, that was an example of, like, okay, I'm going to go out and see what there is. And I was like, oh, um, there's nothing actually here. There's, there's nothing, you know. You know I, what's... I, What's really interesting in what you're talking about is that 
it echoes something that uh, we discussed a, a while back. Uh, it, it it was who was it with? I can't remember. Um, ah, anyway, so it, we we ended up saying it is uh, the important thing is that you experience something. Yeah. Oh, it was with Wendy. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the way people change their mind is by experiencing yeah. it. Um, and I have to say, I have, if, if only it, when we're talking about this show, my mind was very set on um, Trump voters, you know, yeah. until I actually took the time to talk to them or to talk to one or two. And I realized, okay, maybe I'm not, you know, I... I It was. It wasn't easy to change my mind about all of this. I still have very strong opinions about mm -hmm. many of those things, <laughs> including, uh, uh, you know, Donald Trump himself. But the things you mentioned in passing, the idea of universal income. Yeah. Um, it sounds ludicrous when you first hear about it. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. And if you hear about it a little bit more, I'm not saying it's great. I'm. I'm mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. But yep. going from. F you, you idiot, like freaking communist moron. Yeah. From the, at the beginning. And it takes a little bit of effort to listen and to think about it. And at first, when you start seeing, well, maybe your first reaction is to reject it. It's like, pff, whatever, mm -hmm. you know? And experiencing it, you're right, is a, a, the best way. So basically what we're saying is that um, we should all uh, subsidize Uh, Americans who don't believe in healthcare to come to Europe and experience it for themselves for a year. Yep. <laughs> Let's do that. Just, yep. to, just to help the U.S. I think that you would just, be in keeping with our uh, bleeding heart liberal ethos. You need a few more Patreon supporters than you can fund it. <laughs> <laughs> so in the spirit of that, um, I think, well, we're going to get to the end of the episode and talk about Patreon for a second. Mm -hmm. uh, but is there anything else you want to you say before no, we close the thing? No, I, I, I just wanted to say thanks for you know, give, giving this voice. Um, and like I said before, if anyone wants to challenge anything I've said, please do. Um, it's, it's what I think it's, it's, our, it's our duty as humans to challenge ourselves and, and challenge each other with respect. Um, and I think the Phileas Club is... is is a wonderful spot for that. Um, so whether it be on the, you know, Phileas club, become a patron and we can chat on the, uh, on, in the Patreon board or, uh, or, or, or via Twitter. Um, I just don't like being called nasty names, you know, don't, don't <laughs> <call me. laughs> no, I think I in general, yeah. um, I think in general, um, the, the, the community for the Phileas club is incredibly respectful. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, that's something I very much appreciate. So, um, thank you very much, Bruce. I no, will, thank, of thank course, you, have uh, your uh, um, Twitter, uh, your Twitter mm -hmm. account linked in the in the show notes. Um, I would, of course, like to remind people that, as you mentioned, um, this show is funded much like uh, the NHS efforts. Um, by the concerted efforts of the ones that are uh, concerned by the show. So you can go to patreon.com slash the Phileas Club. The link is in the show notes, of course, and support the show. Um, again, like the NHS, you might think you don't need it, but really you do. 
And if you do, <laughs> I would encourage you to um, let go of that one, you know, double frappuccino mocha latte if you're mm -hmm. a New Yorker elite, or that, you know, to that that six pack of beer you were going to go buy at uh, Target if you're in the Midwest and just go and 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 pledge just a few bucks per episode uh that is how we change the world one episode at a time and one contributor at a time well maybe not change the world but uh help open you know give uh, uh interesting views to people around the world so um thank you very much to the many many people who choose to uh donate a little bit of money to the show i very much appreciate it you know i say it all the time but it's very true um this show is a labor of love and it feels incredibly rewarding and validating that you guys decide to um give me a little bit of your hard-earned cash and uh i might be a bleeding heart liberal but by God, I'll take that cash and use it for stuff for me. So <laughs> thank you very much in advance. My name is Patrick Beja. I'm not Patrick on Twitter, not Patrick on Facebook. The show is available at frenchspin.com. Um, you can go there, comment, of course. Uh, tell us what you think we got wrong, what you think we got right. Uh, you can leave a review on iTunes or other podcast catalogs. It is uh, always a pleasure to get them and it helps the show. Um, and if you are interested in video games, you might be interested in Pixels, which is another show uh, hosted at FrenchSpin.com. And uh, we just had E3 go by. And that is the biggest gaming event of the year. And we had a giant episode summarizing all of it and a bunch of uh, other episodes where we were commentating on uh, live on the press conferences, the many press conferences uh, that we followed. But uh, go check out Pixels. And the latest episode number 61, um, where we summarize E3, and that was a blast, uh, did the episode with Scott Johnson. So go check that out as well. See, interesting stuff and entertainment. Well, I would <laughs> venture uh, the idea that Pixels is interesting as well, because we do analysis and explanation and geeking out, of course. So go check that out. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please do let us know if you did or if you didn't, including on, on Twitter. Uh, and we will be back in a couple of weeks with a regular episode as usual. So thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again then. Bye. <laughs>